I think humans are social creatures at the end of the day. And no matter how easy it might be to get a instant response, you still want to explain your nuance, your unique scenario, your unique problem, and you want to be heard. Welcome to this episode of Video Voyagers Edge of AI. I'm your host, Audrey Lecker. And I'm Richard Benavides. And we are here today to talk about AI and video and customer success management. How are you, Rich? <laughs> I am doing great. It is gorgeous here because I'm based, of course, in Arizona and it is now the time that everyone wants to be here. So I am very much enjoying being able to go outside without immediately feeling in danger. And yeah, it's great. I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. It's 115 sometimes and you're just like, oh, I am literally cooking right now. This is yeah. Uh, and it was like that here in Texas for like two to three months this summer, which was bonkers. And then even today, it's the like middle of November and it's 80 degrees here. And so you don't have the fun. humidity, so like that feels nasty. Yeah. I mean, there is like a nice breeze if you go outside, I guess, but I'm inside. So <laughs> I don't know where I'm <laughs> <talking> with that. <laughs> inside versus outside. The day on Video Voyagers. I don't love running my air conditioning. In November is all I'm saying. Yeah, no, mine is still running. Right. Yeah, unless I was like in Australia or something where it's summer, that would make yeah. sense. Speaking of, we've, I know we've got an interview coming up with somebody that is very far north. I think she, you think he said that uh, they had about 12 minutes of sunlight in November. That was wild. I didn't know it was that short. Yeah, that is an unfortunate amount of sunlight. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I would do with that. I was gonna ask, but like I didn't want to take up time. But I wanted to know if like. They must have some sort of like sunlight mimicking lamps or something like because that can't be good for the human body, right? Like you got to get vitamin D. I guess people just acclimate. I mean, humans are pretty notoriously adaptable. That's kind of like our super strength. I feel like when the other alien races come down, that's what's going to impress them. <laughs> yeah. So we one in the cold. Look what happens. We'll make great pets. But uh, that's a, a song uh, in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be in, in their little zoos and whatever. <laughs> yep. But we're here to talk about AI, not alien life forms. So speaking of the conversation that we just had with Noah, who we're going to introduce to you in a second, that was a really good conversation. There was, it was really interesting hearing from Noah. What were some of your favorite parts, Rich? I think a key that we're kind of noticing is with AI, there needs to be a difference between what can be covered by AI and what will never be replaced by AI. And I feel like knowing that is, is kind of a key to adopting AI correctly, right? If you know what it can do for you from the very beginning, I think you're able to have the right expectations and utilize it correctly. Whereas if you're expecting it to fully replace something that cannot be replaced by AI, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to blame the AI. When really it was, yeah, you probably shouldn't have been trying to replace that certain thing with AI. So, yeah. Yeah, that's something that I'm noticing is a pattern in a lot of these interviews and probably every single interview actually is. And I mean, one of the goals of this podcast is to kind of bring AI into the day to day and like, what does it actually mean? And it doesn't have to be scary and kind of making people more comfortable with it. And I mean, I personally have actually I already kind of liked AI. I thought it was interesting. 
But I actually have gotten a little bit more comfortable with it as well. The more that we're hearing from folks and Noah goes pretty in depth into this, I think, in this interview about what can't be replaced. And that's just the human connection. And I think in one of the other interviews that might have been Dave Darrington had mentioned, it's like the soul behind the machine. I really liked what Noah had to say about that in this upcoming interview. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the great example I think he gave about Amazon, like you want the process to be automated. You don't necessarily want a person to be involved in it. Until it doesn't work, right? Until you do. And then you want somebody right now, right? So for yeah. me, I love being able to, like, let's say I need to uh, refill my prescriptions and I'm I'm severely ADHD, like clinically. And so I uh, will forget until there's an empty bottle. And sometimes that empty bottle is there at a time that the pharmacy is not open. And I love being able to call and just go through the prompts and get it all done and taken care of. But when that thing isn't ready when it's supposed to be, I want somebody on the phone now, right? And I think that was a good key insight that, uh, that Noah had in particular was that need for people that care. And I think that's what we're going to hear in this art, in this interview. Side note, I think you just reminded me that I forgot to take my ADHD meds this morning. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> so oh my this, gosh, this episode brought to you by... Mental, oh, what is it? It's neurodivergence. Yes, neurodivergence. There we go. All right. Well, on that note, let's get to the interview. Yeah. Anyway, check out this otter. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) Our guest today is Noah Little, an enterprise customer success manager of key accounts across EMEA at Recharge. From small beginnings at one local in Toronto, Noah's grown his skill set through hard work and determination to find him in a top-paying role and even hosting his own YouTube series, The Secrets of Customer Success. He's here to share some of those secrets and also help us decide AI's place in the CSM role now. Hey, Noah, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me tonight. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. I was just watching some of your videos on LinkedIn the other day. I think it's really cool what you're doing on there content-wise. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. So you said tonight, are you in Finland? I am located in Finland currently, northern Finland, actually. So my evening, your daytime, but I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. Very cool. So if I complain about the cold, you'll make fun of me because I'm from Arizona and originally from Texas. So it gets to like zero degrees Celsius and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I need every coat. Yeah. Anybody that complains about the cold weather, especially with my merchants or anybody on my team, I just say... You want to see my backyard because it's been snowing for like two weeks. So <laughs> you're not allowed to complain about the snow or the cold wherever you are in the world. Yep. You got us beat for that. Definitely. Yeah. When that happens here in Texas, everything shuts down. It is not fun. The last time it snowed really big in where I'm from in South Texas, a little south of where she is, they made a book about it. And then they made a second book. And it was just pictures of South Texas under snow. It was like snow and snow too. And like the main like grocery store down there sold these books and they like sold out. So it was great. Okay. It was an anomaly, I guess. (laughs) Definitely. Getting more common. Next year they'll have it again and it'll be Snow 3, Snowmageddon or something. There we go. The reckoning. Yeah. Yeah. The (laughs) snowing. There we go. All right. So I'm going to kick it off with this hot take question that we open every episode with. And that is, is AI going to take all of our jobs? So I don't think it'll take anybody's jobs, but I think it'll take some of our work away, whether that's some support questions, some things that can actually be found out really easily by self-investigation. 
but I don't think it actually replaced people because people want to solve solution and get a result by working with another human at the end of the day. That, so you uh, actually did tell our research team that uh, CSMs are the only role safe from AI. So why do you think that CSMs are safe? For sure. I think everybody's experienced maybe in America or Canada or even around the world when something goes wrong with your cell phone or your computer and you call into AT&T, Verizon or Sprint, and it's an automated voice messaging system, click one for this, click eight for this. And what does everybody do? Click zero a thousand times until you reach a person. Because no matter how advanced a machine learning or a language learning model is, you want to talk to somebody so you can understand the nuances, the problems, and only a human being can often solve this for you. So a CSM in the SaaS world is that person, is that zero to a direct line to get your issue solved, sorted, and get it actually done faster than maybe a machine can. So that's why I feel CSMs will never go away, at least in the foreseeable future. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that AI still has trouble connecting with people the way that they want to be connected with? I think humans are social creatures at the end of the day. And no matter how easy it might be to get a instant response, you still want to explain your nuance, your unique scenario, your unique problem. And you want to be heard. You actually want to be actually know that your problem is being heard by another person. That's why empathy is so key in a CSM and a automated machine learning saying, I'm sorry to hear that isn't really going to do it for you. You want somebody to actually hear you out, understand your problem, deploy empathy and actually have a solution. Not some chatbot that says, let me look into that for you and somebody will email you back. Nobody likes that. So you actually want a human being on the other side, hear you and to solve it for you. That's why we'll wait on hold for 30 minutes or an hour to actually be put through to somebody to wait on hold for that time. The same reason why we saw during COVID, why you're so yearning for that human connection. It wasn't good enough to watch a YouTube musical set with Ed Sheeran. We want to see Ed Sheeran in front of our faces. Yeah, definitely. I just started thinking about Ed Sheeran. I'm like, is Ed Sheeran your favorite musician? <laughs> that analogy came so quickly. No, I just think that during COVID, we really saw how much human connection we wanted and how virtual connectivity is not sufficient. The same thing, you know, I talked to all customers around the world. I was speaking to Australia, speaking to Malta. I was speaking to Belgium. I was speaking to Germany today. But nothing's more enjoyable when I get to see them in person. So even though we've actually never met some of my customers via Zoom, when I go there and meet them, it's a completely different feeling. You actually have a true human connection. And it's actually a lot easier to have these tough conversations afterwards or even the fun ones. But when it's over Zoom, you don't actually get to feel that communication. And I feel we would feel the same if we were sitting in a coffee shop, maybe in Helsinki or maybe in Dallas, Texas. It still doesn't feel as real as what we're doing today as it used to be person to person. And I think it's the same way with AI. You might get a solve. You might get actually your problem sorted out. But nothing feels as good as maybe a handwritten note for a human being or a phone call from a friend. And I still think that we yearn for that, no matter what, even in 2023. I think that makes total sense. I think there's no beating the human connection. Yep. Now, the flip side of that, why do you think other roles in the sector aren't safe? Why do you think some stuff is going to get replaced? I think some things can be automated. So, for example, you can take an Excel sheet. You can ask ChatGPT, tell me what month was our best sales month, as opposed to having an analytics team look through this, scour over data. ChatGPT can ingest that and tell you in about five seconds. So something that take a lot of manual effort, manual scouring, so much data that a human just can't take in in that time frame, those things can be sorted out. 
So it's just like Amazon. When you get an order, you're curious when it's going to be arriving. What's the time status on it? All you got to do is submit your order, check it out. You can even ask them, hey, when's it coming through? You don't need a human being to tell you it's going to be delivered November 10th between 4 and 6 p.m. The machine can actually tell you that. And you're okay with that type of information. You're okay with that feedback loop. But when you have a problem, when you have an issue, you want to talk to a human being, an email doesn't even do it for you. You want to talk to somebody in real time live. So it's the actual needs of help, not trying to find information out. But I find people are still yearning for that, especially when you have a complaint. You don't really do an email. You're like, no, I'm going to call them up right now. That's why we say we're, I'm going to call them up to complain. Yep, I hear you. Even with Amazon, like they have the little chat support once you go like five levels in. And yeah, I hit that whenever the, you know, oh, we don't know when your stuff's getting here. <laughs> so Exactly. Right. Because you want to know, you want a human to solve your stuff. It's not enough to just be said, we'll come back to you later. It's like, no, I want to solve now and I want to talk to a human. And I don't think that's going to change until maybe they can actually pretend sufficiently that we're being tricked. So it's almost like this might be an AI recording and it's actually convincing enough. So you're okay with it. But until we get to that level, I don't think people are there yet. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. I wonder how far away we are from that. <laughs> so you host your own YouTube series that answers the main questions about CSM roles, and you also coach people into CSM roles via best practicer. What are the questions you most often get asked? So best practicer is one place where I work. I also do my own CSM coaching. I think the most common I get is, how do I showcase that I'm customer-centric? It's probably the most commonly asked question. How do I show people that I care about customers? Also, like, what does a CSM do on a daily basis? And how can I translate my skills from being a teacher, from being a landscaper, from being an art dealer to the CSM space? Because a lot of that is communicating your story. People want to be remembered for their stories. And really harnessing those questions and those answers to bring people through is very common. And people are like, I don't know how to tell my story. I don't know how it's relatable. But it's finding that common ground in the CSM tech space to do so. And what do you think, like, what do you think makes a great customer success manager? Like you've seen people come at it from all different walks of life. What do you think makes a great one? I think what makes a great CSM is very similar to what makes a great pilot. So let me kind of dive in and unpack that a little bit. So number one is adaptability and problem solving. A CSM is going to be faced with problems every single day. I mean, if there wasn't problems, we wouldn't have a job transparently. And same thing with pilots. They're going to have to take off in different routes. They're going to have to fly different flight patterns. Maybe they're going to be an hour delayed. Maybe there's something on the runway. Maybe you have to tell people, hey, we've got to change planes. I'm super sorry. The next thing is communication skills. If you've ever been delayed, you want to know, why am I delayed? What's going on? You just want to be told what's going on. You don't want to be left in this black box. I'd also say relationship building to value. So a pilot always comes on. Thank you so much for flying Finnair. We really appreciate this. Same thing with a customer success manager. You want to build that relationship, but you also want to see value. Did I get to my end destination seamlessly? Did I see the value that I purchased the product? And I think more and more we're seeing it's not all about product usage as much as it is seeing value and realizing that value, which is the same thing that a pilot does, right? You actually have to understand that they're not just there to fly the plane. They're there to give you a great customer experience, which is why they come on a lot more nowadays. They appreciate your first class members. They give you the heads up when they're going to be landing. They tell you there's going to be turbulence. 
So it really is a similar parallel, obviously a lot different. We're not flying million dollar aircrafts in the sky, but sometimes it feels that way when it's turbulent, right? Definitely some turbulence every once in a while. <laughs> or every day, right? Depending where you are. Yeah. So you say that you can help people get CSM jobs without networking. How does one cut out networking from this process? And what are the benefits to skipping it? Oh, this is my favorite question. I think there has been an over-reliance on networking. And what people don't understand is when you're networking, you are no longer taking your own ownership, your own future in your own hands. So there's three things I always tell people, the dangers of networking. The first one is the influence. You don't actually know the influence this person has at the company. Secondly, competency. Is this person a high performer? Are they a low performer? And given that, what type of value or leverage does that person even have in the hiring experience? And thirdly, if you put all your time in networking, and let's say it doesn't pan out because not only do you have to get past the hiring manager, the manager, the director, the VP, the QBR presentation, you also have to compete against all the other candidates. So you've put all your eggs in one basket, hoping that a referral gets you in the door by networking. And I've heard countless stories of people who really five, six, seven, eight months of networking, they threw out the window. They said, hey, I met a lot of great people, but I got to start applying for jobs. And once people make that switch, they actually start taking shots on net or baskets off the hoop or throwing, I guess, the football down the field. They get a lot more successful because you're opening up a lot more opportunities that rely on people that may not even be able to help you. They just like, often are just there to have you know, a nice coffee chat. So I really implore people not to network so, you know, I always encourage people to just apply to jobs because the more shots on net, the likely the pucks can go in or the more baskets you shoot, something's going to go in. Conversely, if you're just networking, you can only talk to so many people. You only have so many coffee chats. And even so, you don't even know if they're hiring internally. They might hire in a year from now or six months from now, but you need the job today. So by the time you build that relationship up, you go for the ask that a lot of people are, are pushing, the job might not even be there. You might have a great relationship, a great network in the future, but you're looking for a job today. If you're looking for a job today, you need to apply for jobs that are open. And a lot of times when people are networking, they realize this when it's too late. It's like, I had a, great, a lot of great conversations, but I should have probably been spending time actually taking shots on net. And then they actually start to get the interviews. And then you get practice and you get better at interviewing. As opposed to doing networking, you only have three or four chances. Imagine how much better you are when you've done 10, 20, 30 interviews, as opposed to three or four. I think it's a very dangerous trap, and I'm very much against it. I have a follow-up question, actually, before we go on to the next one. So I was watching some of the content on your LinkedIn recently, and one of the ones you were talking about, when you're applying to jobs in the CSM area, you're kind of in it for the long haul. Like, it takes a while. And I think you had mentioned something like six to 12 months, even, potentially, to get into a role. And I'm just curious, why is that? I think it's always been that long. I feel that nowadays people are a lot more vocal on LinkedIn. There were always layoffs. There's been layoffs since the 80s, the 90s, even you know before then. But now we're a lot more vocal with it. And it's always taken six months to 12 months to get a job. LinkedIn's talked about this for years. But now you have an echo chamber of people being laid off, people on the job hunt. But we never heard about that. We never heard about that burnout. We never heard about them being tired. We never heard about the rejection. So now when other people are looking at the same time, you feel it's a lot more apparent. But people are posting jobs every day. People are getting hired every day. And, you know, quick story about myself. 
even when I was looking for a job, I was an enterprise CSM working with very big companies, Facebook China, Facebook UK, Sephora, Procter & Gamble. It still took me six months because you have to find that right fit, that right company, the right skill set, the right manager, the right type of clientele, the right type of industry in vertical as a CSM. And that takes a lot of time. Maybe it's not the right hybrid, remote, or in-person role. Maybe the money's not good. Maybe the benefits don't work for you or the hours, or you don't really care about the product that they're selling. It takes a lot of time to actually find that right fit. It's not just going to be one time and you apply for a job and you get it and then everything's great. Yep. So when it comes to AI technologies, they grow by the minute. I mean, there's so much out there. You're on LinkedIn pretty often. Everyone, of course, is now an expert and ChatGPT is helping them get answers out there that are all the same. But what resources are you personally kind of keeping an eye on and trying to stay up to date on? For sure. So I'm really big into two things. One, whatever is coming out of TechCrunch, because TechCrunch is always going to be showcasing the brand new AI companies, whether that's for sales teams doing outbound, whether that's for writing emails, whether that's for making videos such as Opus, which is I use. I use Opus right now. I've never heard of it. I used to actually send my videos off to somebody. They would add the subtitles. They'd add the cool graphics. But now I just send it to this company. They do it in like a minute. It spits back out subtitles. It's incredible. So it's saving me time, saving me money. It's great value for production. It's a win-win-win. So TechCrunch is one space. And also understanding what Sam Altman's doing over at OpenAI. Just to hear what's ha happening. What's the next upgrade from ChatGPT3 to ChatGPT4? And what is that leverage? The speed the abilities, what else it can do. I also have a few friends that own a few AI companies, such as a self-serving chatbot, ChatSMB, shout out to Arthur Cockfield, which is on my website. It is a actual live chatbot that works for me 24-7 that can answer inquiries. People don't know it's me. Maybe they will after this podcast, but it's actually an AI chatbot that responds to people in real time. Because I'm in Finland. I'm sleeping when most of the world is awake. So I've had many people talk to me over that chat and I get a message, I get an email of what's going on there. And then I'm able to respond to those individuals who've come in while I've been asleep or away or in a meeting. Or living actual life. <laughs> or living life, trying to, right? Trying to live life. Yep. What, five hours of daylight you have now, right? Something like that. <laughs> it's actually six and there's no daylight. It's just dark. So last year we had 12 minutes of sunlight in November. So I'm hoping for more than 12 minutes this year, at least. Oh, man. But, you know, during the summer, you got all of it, right? So there you go. In the summertime, the sun never sets. And it's always blue twilight at nighttime. So it is the yin and the yang. Sounds gorgeous. So how often are you updating the content in your teachings as new advancements come along? Or an alternative to that question is, would the teachings you gave in April 2022 still be relevant today? Definitely. I think so many more people are listening to AI. So I think nowadays, it's actually people being more mindful of what the AI is telling them because they often get fooled and they're putting too much weight on what the AI is saying. So for example, a lot of different jobs or interview or resume tools will say, hey, you only have 75% of the keywords, add more. And they come to me, Noah, the AI said I only have 75%. I need the other 25%. What do I do? And I say, I don't care what the AI says. I do not care. Stop putting weight into this machine. Your resume is fine. Your LinkedIn is fine. Keep going. And it's hard because people have to kind of differentiate. Is the AI right? Is Noah right? Am I wrong? Are, we, are they both right? Are they both wrong? It's difficult for people. And I understand that because oftentimes even, you know, heck, the weather is still wrong and it's 2023. 
So let alone some AI tool that's telling you you don't have enough keywords as well. You're putting so much weight in a system that maybe it's reading off of what job description, off of what resumes, off of what data set it is making that decision. So it is a bit more difficult nowadays because people are putting a lot of weight in these tools and there is help out there, but sometimes it can be tricky. So I help people navigate through that. So we've talked about all this technology. What are some of the key fundamentals of being a CSM that you don't think will ever change? Overly caring for your client's success. And that will never change because people can tangibly feel that. So for example, I got a call last Saturday, nine in the morning from a client, which was 7 a.m. their time for an issue. I've gotten calls at six in the morning when there's issues. And people are happy and ecstatic and shocked when I'm there willing to help them. I've flown out the same day to London when a client had a huge issue to do an on-site. It was actually my birthday, but it didn't matter that it was my birthday. The client comes first. And that is something that can never be changed or taken away from a CSM. And that's something that can never be replicated from a machine. Because when actually people see that you're invested in their business and you want them to win and you are trying urgently to solve their problems, they can feel that. They appreciate that. And that ultimately leads to long-term relationships, which leads to additional revenue, which also leads to just you being a better CSM for that customer. So I think client care and going above and beyond will never be replaced. And people can probably feel that. So that's something that AI will never be able to do, at least hopefully in our lifetimes, or else I'll be out of a job. Indeed. Me too. So in your time as a coach, I guess, what's been the impact of video on like customer engagement and retention in your experience? Yeah, I think it's actually showing people how to, for example, use a tool, showing people how to use LinkedIn, showing people how to use job boards. If you tell somebody, hey, go LinkedIn, click here, click here, click here, that doesn't help, right? That's why we have tutors. That's why we have coaches. That's why coaches are on the ice or on the court to show the athletes how to do things. They don't sit up in the stands and just bark orders at them. So when you actually have video, you can showcase this. You share a screen, it's the same thing. So actually being able to walk things through with people, I think is so helpful, captivating, but also very helpful for instructional. So do you think TikTok and Instagram and these really kind of quick hitter type of videos had an effect on that? Like as far as like narrative flow, links, graphics, all that kind of stuff? A hundred percent, right? Like we are adaptation animals. And when it's okay to send a 30 second clip or maybe a 15 second clip, that's totally acceptable in 2023. But that probably wouldn't be acceptable even in 2010, 2015, right? It was long for maybe YouTube videos. But now it's okay to spend a 30 second update to a client. That's totally okay. That's why on Slack, they have huddles and whiteboards because it's the instantaneous sharing that actually enables this. So I think it's actually, we're just adapting to our environment and what's been acceptable versus before it was written letters and all emails. But now you're having sales team reach out via video. Now you're having CS teams do these types of calls. It just changed. And we're okay with that change, I think, as a society. Yeah. There are often apprehensions about adopting AI and automation in businesses, particularly in customer success. So how could CS leaders overcome these barriers and harness the power of video automation? I think leaders as a whole are actually starting to adopt video technology and to take this in. Just as we were all scared with Tesla a few years ago when these were self-driving cars, but now Teslas are everywhere. Here in Finland, it's the most popular car here. We were scared of that technology because we didn't understand it. It wasn't familiar. 
And so now with video technology, with AI, again, with Vidyard, with Loom, with actually even having video recordings, with doing stand-ups of that nature, it's actually been normalized. But before, it wasn't something that we'd even do or even consider. And even with AI, as we see this more and more, it's finding where can this help us? What problems can we solve with this tool? So I think it's more of solving what tool belongs where. So does the hammer belong here? Does the saw belong there? Does the screwdriver belong there? And it's actually deciding when to use that tool and for what problem to solve. As opposed to right now, it's like, I got a huge toolkit. I don't know what problem to solve. I don't know what tool to pull out. What do I do? And I think we're still trying to sift out what is the right tool in what scenario, in what customer base, in what level of touch, and even platform, what vertical. Is that acceptable? Is that palatable? And I don't think we really know that yet. I think it's so new or it's going so fast and we're all learning about it. So it's difficult to know because we've got this huge toolbox and it can do everything, but we don't know where to use it. Yep. Kind of like going to Home Depot or over here and uh, going and getting the coolest new toolbox and coolest new tools and then not knowing how to use them at all. And I have no experience in that whatsoever. Hopefully my wife never watches this. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So Noah, what excites you the most about AI right now? I'm most excited about what AI can do to help businesses. Again, it takes teams to understand data. It takes days. It takes so many different tools. And if you have an actual capability to help solve business problems rapidly with different iterations that can ingest thousands or millions of rows of data and spit out a different answer that your assumption was based upon, this is actually going to unlock so many businesses, not just with cost, but staying lean, making the right decisions, not going down a rabbit hole, burning money for half a year when it was the right, the wrong decision to make. So I'm actually very excited what AI can do to identify solves, solutions, but also what to deploy, what action to take, what methodology, what route, if you would. Because right now we're still using our human brains. Again, unfortunately, with our great capacity, we are limited at the end of the day. So I'm very excited to know and to see what business problems AI will be able to solve with a lot higher velocity than a human can do. So helping at the end of the day, I think is what we're going to see. And we're already seeing that with doctors being able to use AI to solve diagnoses. We're already seeing that with BI tools being able to solve that machine learning to predict certain inventories or subscription patterns, at least in my vertical. Things of that nature is really exciting. So for me, it's how can we use AI to help businesses, which will actually, again, just help people at the end of the day. Very good. That definitely is uh, some pretty exciting stuff and not at all Terminator-like, which is great. Anyway. Noah, where can our listeners find you? Sure. So you can check me out on LinkedIn. I post every single day. Just search my name, Noah Little. There's not too many of us out there in the world. Or if you prefer video content, type in The Secrets of Customer Success on YouTube. And I'm also there posting videos weekly. So something I want to start doing for uh, you know these is I'm going to click on following right now. You, see, you know what? I heard a little ping on your side, I think, saying that you just got a follower. So look at that. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. My pleasure. That's all for today's episode of Video Voyager's Edge of AI. And if you'd like to learn how customer success and customer education leaders are using video to scale their support efforts, how AI and automation plays into their day-to-day, and what video technology your competitors are investing in, Check out the newly released 2023 State of SaaS Customer Success and Product Training Videos Report. You can download it on our website at video.io. 
Don't forget to subscribe. Bye. Video Voyager's Edge of AI is powered by Vidiate, the number one trailblazer in the world of video AI and automation. With Vidiate, it's fast and easy to create, update, and globalize your video library with every new software release. Learn more on our website at vidiate.io. Keep up to date with technology's role in shaping the future of customer experience. Search for Video Voyagers on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to stuff. And don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review if you like us, but not if you don't, and stay tuned for more. See you next time.